This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. And Matt, uh, earlier today, uh, the Houston Texans and J.J. Watt announced a mutual parting of the ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I I saw something that was kind of interesting. Pro Football Talk put out a a tweet that said, it's interesting that the the Texans would would go ahead and let J.J. Watt walk without any compensation, but they won't trade Deshaun Watson. I saw that. There's no comparison there. That had racial undertones. <laughs> and there's, that, it, 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 it's and unneeded. Like, These are apples to oranges. Absolutely. One's a 25-year-old quarterback. The other one's a 32-year-old defensive lineman that they were looking to move. They just went he out. He wasn't going to be back no matter what. They went out from under that contract. Yes. <laughs> I was a little shocked that they couldn't get a pick for him in some way, shape, or form. But nobody knows what the cap's going to be. Everyone's up against it, and he's really expensive. So Here's how he's, he was scheduled to make... Seventeen and a half million dollars in base salary this year. Yeah, right. Base salary. That means that's untradeable. That's untradeable. Again, I didn't realize it was that much. Yeah, yeah. So, end of sentence. Any team that would have traded for him, shopping him for a month. Yeah, probably. Any team that would would have traded for him would have had to take on that seventeen and a half million dollar salary. Yeah. Nobody's going to do that. that. Right. Um, a couple things. First of all, totally. I, I saw that tweet. Now there's not many tweets I see, but I'm like. <laughs> It feels like you're just that's, poking the that's bear. I mean, there's fish into fish. To yeah. One's guy's a cap casualty, which has no value to the team. One's the second best asset in all of the football. Yeah, the other you guy know, you can get three or four first round draft picks for. Cut him too because he asked for it. You know, as opposed to trading him for a ton or trying to bring him back. I mean, I was talking about the Texans today. Their offense averaged the most yards per play in the entire league, tied you know tied with the Chiefs. Because of Watson. You know, I mean, yeah. he's unbelievably valuable. That's a side note. We didn't even talk about Watt. Here's what I think Watt is as a player right now is I think he's in a first half ballot Hall of Famer if he never Absolutely, plays. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, it's him and Aaron Donald are the best players of this generation. In fact, and I, can t- I can tell you that word. JJ, I'm curious. J.J. Watt on the Hall of Fame monitor is the fourth best defensive lineman ever. Defensive end ever. Okay. The only guys ahead of him are Reggie White, Bruce, Bruce Smith, Smith, Jack Youngblood. Okay, Jack Youngblood's kind of a surprise to be. I would honest, say I'll, I'd rather play against Jack Youngblood than JJ Watt in his prime. Yeah, but he's a no-brainer, and I think him and Aaron Donald are the best defensive linemen since Reggie White. I mean, like all-time great, obviously. Um, I still think he's very effective. He's not that level. He's not the best defensive lineman in the league. I think he's more effective if he plays like thirty-five to forty snaps. Exactly a what game. I was going to say. I've yeah. said that a couple times. Today. He needs to be a rotational player, right? Situational. Yeah. And the beauty of him is. He brings a ton of energy, and he brings a ton of versatility. You can too. play him an end, or you can play him a tackle. He can stand up and do Bud Dupree things. He can play the nose on third and nine. You know, you can move him anywhere in between. So, like, Stan just asked me, well, does he fit the scheme? I'm like, he fits every scheme. <laughs> yeah. He does. I mean, yeah. you, you're somewhere you can it's like, put it's him. It's like Aaron Donald. You would, you, you, yeah. he, fit, he fits any scheme. Yeah, and you can line him up in so many different spots that no matter what position you need, he could do it well enough still. But you're right. He needs to be a rotational player to be best used. And the Steelers would be perfect for that. 
but he's going to play for free. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to play for free. Um, so you know, what is he worth at this point in his career as a as a part time player, and is he willing to accept that kind of role? That's he's what worth you don't more know. than the Steelers could give him. Right. So the the question that you have to ask yourself, and if you're JJ Watt, okay, do I want to go somewhere where I can win a potentially win a Super Bowl? Sure. Or and maybe you could do the same this with the Steelers as well. Mm-hmm. Do I want to go to the Steelers and play with my brothers and potentially win a Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. And be part of a potentially the best defense in the league. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's right. appealing as well. Or, I mean, I, I, I would have to assume year. that, say, a place like, oh, I don't know, Green Bay might be attractive to him, being from also, Wisconsin. Yep. There's and also, teams, also a good team. Yeah, there's three teams I think that will be linked to him. They also don't have any money either. Right. Um, because they would be a Super Bowl contender in his home. Uh, I guess his wife, I just heard this today. Is She's a, a soccer player. And the Chicago's team. Right. So that would be her team. Yeah. You know, and the well, Bears could use them, but they need Quite frankly, I mean, there's it, Green Bay to Chicago is not far. I guess it's not a hall either. Yeah. It's pretty close to home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think all 32 should have some interest because he could do so many things, especially if you're a contender. But I would think those are the three that the Watt family like the would most. I, I, I've seen like Tony Grossi, who covers the Browns, mm-hmm. um, immediately put out to me. Oh, now, now this now it doesn't. The Browns don't have to trade for him; they can just go out and sign him. Maybe. I just don't know that is he going to want to do that. I don't know. I mean, it depends how important money is versus those other three teams. Here's how much he's made over the course of his career: he's made a hundred million dollars as a football player. as a football player in right. ten years. Plus these subway commercials, he doesn't do all the com- right. all the national commercials that he does. So um, you know he's won three defensive player of the year awards. But if he goes somewhere like Cleveland, now he's got to be the man. Well, Vern, or you know uh, Garrett would be the man, but he's still going to play a hundred percent of the time. Now maybe he, maybe he still sees himself as I can still do that. Mm-hmm. The problem I mean, I... is that you know if when he does do that. Then he breaks down. See, I think, yeah, I think that's a key. I mean, I, I, if I'm the, I mean, there's a lot of teams you could consider. He did make it through all 16 games this year. It played well. That was, you know, he's he's done, but he's only done that twice in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And the other years that he didn't, he played eight, he played five, he played four. There's had a lot of major yeah. injuries. But he played I mean, ninety-seven. At, he played ninety-seven percent of the snaps this year for the Texans. That was his uh, career high, actually. I mean, I don't think he's going to Jacksonville or Cincinnati or. The no, Jets he's or, not I mean, just going to go anywhere and chase the money. That's no, that's the I point. I would assume not, and just hang on and have bad final years, and you know. Yeah. I mean, if you looked at Cleveland and thought they're an upstart team, or you know, they're if, you, a, if you if you thought that Cleveland had a chance to win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. I don't see Cleveland Cleveland as a Super Bowl team. I don't either, but I think some people will, and you can play opposite Miles Garrett. That's yeah, I think that's kind of alluring and say, hey, please draft one to help spell and I'll help him bring along. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's the worst fit in the world. It's it's not. Cleveland has $29 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. Looking at the, uh, do they want to spend, and they have their entire, we talked about this before, basically everybody except on their defense, except for Miles Garrett and Ward, Denzel Ward. Mm-hmm. Of their prominent of their, starters. Of their starters on defense this right. year. Are going to be free agents. Yeah, they have a lot of needs on defense, <laughs> but it includes Olivier Vernon. I mean, they right. need another defensive end type. So, are you going to spend? I don't know, fourteen million on JJ Watt. I don't think anybody's going to spend fourteen million on JJ Watt. If you're Cleveland, you might thinking that you know, hey, this is going to be what the. If you're Indy, we get a, somebody has a lot of. Money. Okay, what if you get into a bidding war for him? Now it's mm-hmm. now it's going to cost you that. And that might happen. I mean, 
There's no doubt in my mind that whoever JJ's uh, agent is has talked to teams before today. You know that he, the Texans and him knew he was not going to be a Texan this year, whether he officially and asked to be released or not. They've tried to trade him, I'm sure, behind the scenes, and yeah. knew they couldn't bring him back at that money. The one team I seen stayed. mentioned, watch, watch the Ravens on this one. I was wondering about that. With one too. what money? So they don't have a lot of money. They don't either. have any money either. He doesn't exactly fit their edge profile either. I mean, he's a lot more like Calais Campbell, and then you want two dinosaurs, you know, invested. You'd have to almost move on from Campbell to do that. Yeah. I mean, how about the Chiefs or, you know, I'm just saying like good teams. Yeah, potentially. Buffalo or, you know. Yeah. yeah I mean, but the Chiefs, lot, again, the Chiefs are over the cap. Good. Yeah. The Bills would have a little space. They can cut some guys in the front seven. I mean, again, a lot of teams should be interested. It's what, it's what he's interested in. Yeah, he what, does, what does he want to do? That's the thing that always gets overlooked yeah. in these kind of situations. Like when, when Leonard Fournette became a free agent after, last year after nobody claimed him. Right. If he claimed him, it was going to cost you $5 million on, against your cap. Right. Well, he ends up signing with Tampa for $2 million, mm-hmm. and then Steeler fans are like, well, the Steelers should have signed him. And, and look, could they have used him? Absolutely. He was better than what they played with for most of the year. Right. But... Did he want to come here for two million dollars? More importantly, did apples he want to, to come here? apples to apples. Did right. he? Did, if, did he want to come if, here more than Tampa? Yeah. If you offered him two million dollars and Tampa offered him two million dollars, that doesn't mean that he's automatically coming to Pittsburgh. Sure, absolutely not. I mean, playing with Tom Brady on a, what was it looked like a good team at that time and end up being right is very appealing. I mean, maybe even if you offered him two point five million dollars, he might not have come to Pittsburgh. Might or three million dollars, he might not have come to Pittsburgh, and then you could have just claimed him. I'm sure what <laughs> happened was, you know, he passes waivers. And the second he does, his agent phone phone blows up with ten teams calling. Yeah. We could use Leonard Fournette for two million. Right. We have some cap space laying around. And he says, and "Well, he Leonard, where do you want to go?" Right. Here's the teams interested. Yeah. Which one? You've you always played in the with? South. Um, right. You know. Right. 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 Yeah. How about we go to Tampa? That's that's not that far yeah, of a move for you. It's in the cold. still good, warm weather and sure, all that good sure. stuff. Oh, but they got, t- got they got this new quarterback named Brady. Maybe you've heard of him. He has buddies on the team, or what? You know, whatever right. the reason is, you know. But, yeah, these players get to pick their free agents. So, in this instance, I will say that the Steeler fans out there who are saying, well, you know, maybe he'll want to play with his brothers. Yeah, there might be a draw for that. For sure. Of course. But the Steelers, like the Steelers aren't going to be able to offer him $10 million a year. They can't even offer him $5 million a year. No. As no. a rotational player? I mean, if he would be involved in something like that, does that mean Alou Alou absolutely doesn't come back? That's probably, yeah, that would right. be what you're looking at. I mean, you're not going to trade Cam or Tuit to do this. You know, so then you may, is your three-man line, are you, are you bumping Cam to the nose? Well, I think you draft one then. Yeah. I think you're in the market for a nose then. Yeah. You know, uh, that changes your needs. And you don't worry about other defensive linemen. You just rotate those three like crazy. Yeah. And sometimes play them together. That right. It would be really intriguing. I mean, all of us love it. Yeah. But it's all a huge. If he wants to play, what for he West. wants to, yeah. What what does he want to do? Is he willing to, to, you know? Again, we were talking about resigning Tyson Alualu on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and I'm you know I'm thinking maybe he you know you sign him to a two year deal that's he, he counts two million dollars against your cap this year. This year, and this year, next yeah. year is a little heavier, which would be fine. Maybe but is, do all, is but... JJ Watt going to take that deal just to play with his brothers? He has to. <laughs> I mean, that's the only that's way, the it, only way right. it works, right? You know, and otherwise, be wonderful. I mean, he'd be doing this, this, the town a favor, but the Steelers do have a trump card that no one else in the league does. That's the and only trump. Need money. It's the only, it's the tr- only trump card. The right. only trump card they have, and they don't stink. And they don't yeah. stay. Yeah, yeah right. It's Contrary to what the belief is among many Steeler fans, right? They're going to be in the mix. They're going to be in the mix. They don't yeah. stink. 
So <laughs> I know you did some work on this. I did. With TJ's contract, which yes. obviously is hanging around. And frankly, Derek's doesn't matter that much. Right. <laughs> and he's kind of happy, should be happy to be here. Could you go to the Watt family and say, I got this much for Watts? You guys all go <laughs> in the is, backyard. This and is my fight chunk of money for Watts. Right. Yeah. You guys fight it out like you used to as kids and uh, call Subway and they can film the whole thing. Or, if they know. fought it out, my money would still be on JJ. Yeah. He's 60 pounds heavier than the other two. They'd He's have to, the it would be like a tag team. <laughs> right. Right. That's yeah. probably never occurred before. They probably never both went after him at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Derek holds his own, though. I bet he does, I wouldn't yeah. mess with many fullbacks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I did look, and it just worked out this way today. That um, You were doing this anyway. On right? my Friday Insider this week that we do every week on DK Pittsburgh Sports, I said, what would a potential, if the Steelers went to TJ Watt today mm-hmm. and said, hey, here we're going to offer you a contract extension. And people said, well, you don't have any money. Well, here's a way you can do this. I'd say you could make money, though. Yeah, this is a way you could do this. You'd probably save yourself. If if it doesn't come out as, as at least even to what he's going to be paid this year, you might even save a little bit of money. Of, of today's cap. To, on, to, on this year's cap. Then I'm all for it. Now, two, it the now. two big signings at, at the defensive end position, the edge position, in the last two years have been Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. And, and those, he's going to want that money. Those two contracts couldn't be any differently. Oh, really? Even though Bosa signed a five-year, $135 million contract. I know the Chargers notoriously signed strange structured deals. Garrett signed five years, $125 million. Okay. So, obviously, Bosa's getting a little bit more. Um, when you look at Bosa's contract, it, it included $78 million fully guaranteed. Wow. Over how many years again? Five. Okay. Uh, it was a th- That's and not a bad spread out there. That was with a $35 million signing and a $35 million signing bonus. Okay. Uh, that averages out to $27 million a year. Okay. Garrett's deal was five years, 125, as I said. Um, despite all of everything, the way Bose's cap hit came in at 20, in 2020 was $15 million this year. Okay, because he signed it in the preseason. Yeah. Right. Um, Garrett's cap hit came in at $10.126 million, a $5 million difference, even though there was only $10 million difference in the whole, in the in the whole, whole term of the contract. Okay. And it came down to that guaranteed money. The Chargers gave Bosa a roster bonus of $7 million last year, mm-hmm. in addition to the $35 million signing bonus, and he got a $1 million salary. So they paid out of pocket for Joey Bosa last year the $43 million. Wow, of actual money. Of actual money out Jack the door, forward. yeah. Okay. Um, the Browns gave Garrett a signing bonus of $21 million. Which isn't much. No, I mean, but they guarantee, they fully guaranteed $100 million of that contract, which that's where you make up the difference yeah. in the— He's a smidge younger. Yeah. You know. So when you look at the— Okay, so, so Bosa— mean, He's getting that money. Yeah, right, Bosa yeah. got 30—got, uh, got, uh, what did I say, $78 million fully guaranteed. guaranteed. I think so, yeah. So the difference between that is $22 million, which is right about the difference between the signing bonus that Bosa got, what he got out of pocket last year, and what Garrett got. Okay. So they'll get the same amount. They're going to, yeah. Basically guaranteed just when you get it. But what that did, though, was make Garrett uh, 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 Garrett's cap hit uh, $10.126 million last year, which, which was is the last wonderful. year, of, which is the last year of his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. This year, the first year that deal kicks in, his his cap hit is nine point three five two million. Wow, that's very favorable, obviously, yeah. for what he is. And I mean, it's not a huge difference, but those two were top 
four picks where Watt was a later first rounder. So, yeah. I mean, they're, they're rookie that really deal. doesn't matter. No, the rookie deals are done. Yeah. On. Right. I guess it does. But you could do that. You could work out this deal so that, again, uh, Watt's uh, salary this year is 10 points, I think, 08 or something like that, a uh, million mm-hmm. base salary. Which, again, the, is a steal for what you're getting absolutely. as a player. If you go to him now and you offer him more of a fully guaranteed contract, mm-hmm. You could get. You can say, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, we're 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 only gonna offer you." Like, how would you structure it? Like, we're gonna say uh, four or five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if it's four years again, you go with that same lower signing bonus, but you guarantee more of the money. Typically, they've only done that with Roethlisberger, quarterback. But considering where their cap is and where, or that's what gets you the most long term cap relief. You're right. I mean, it only hurts you if he gets injured or something and can't play anymore. I mean. But you're still giving them guaranteed money no matter what. Right. It just depends when you It get depends on how you want to give it to them. Yeah. Maybe that is a smart move to do now. It's kind of what they did with Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward's contract that he signed uh, before last year, the, the contract extension, his f- salary the next two seasons is only like $4 million. Yeah. But Which then, makes him not, you know, not going to be, oh, you're going to get cut. Right, like, yeah. He's probably going to be here then. But the last two years of that contract, his salary jumps up to like, you know, $17 million in both of those two years. Because it's really a three-year deal. Maybe he doesn't see that. If he's right. still playing at a high level, yes, he sees that. If he's but, not. Yeah, or if the cap's yeah. $300 million and, you know, everyone's making that. But this was the, chances are he's not going to see that. Yeah, this was the sticking point with, for example, Le'Veon Bell. The Steelers, were, you know, they weren't offering him a big signing bonus and, and very little guaranteed money. But if you're a running back and... and... And he kept saying, well, that just means you could cut me after, you know, three years of this thing. Yeah. They're not going to cut. Because they're not going to invest. But they're not going to cut T.J. Watt. Right. Because the <laughs> positions are much different. Yeah. You know, they're probably both playing at an equal level when they ask for the contract. But Watt's going to be on the team four more years. He's still young. He'd have to fall off dramatically. Dramatically. Dramatically, yeah. right. Or get hit with injuries like his brother did to even consider it. Yeah. Then even then, the cap's going to be higher. So so I think it's something that's worth exploring. If you can get Watt at, at the, the same number that he's at now or even a little bit lower, even if it's even if you're only saving $500,000 or a million dollars. But then you don't have to worry about that ever again either, too. Like, because well, well, next year, yeah, you only have two starters under contract on your defense. Mm-hmm. Going into after this season, right? Well, he's one of the ones that you want. He's the most important one. Yeah, right. Um, do you want to? Do you want to have to say next year? Well, we got we got twenty seven free agents that we want to sign, but we got to get TJ signed first. No, you'd love to get that not locked <laughs> get up. Get that out of the way. And and I, I always believe it's a really good message when someone's an elite player that the the team finance. Everyone knows what everybody makes. You know, I mean, it's not hard to find. Right. That you financially back that when they deserve it you don't drag them along it's a good message to the locker room for sure yeah like, you play like tj we're keeping you around and we'll reward you and i assume the watt brothers all have the same agent they do not don't they no they That's don't odd. yeah it's well, it strange i guess they go to each their own i think t- i think uh, jj and Derek have the same agent i think tj has a separate one okay i, say, I looked at it i looked them. that up uh i, I I do weird stuff at night. I'm sure you do. Sitting around. I was actually going through the Steelers' free agents Mm -hmm. or potential free agents and and figuring out who who had what agents. You know, so when I start calling guys and that kind of stuff, I noticed that I'm like, they don't have the same agent. And then I looked to see who JJ's agent was. And Hmm. speaking of weird things, I've been meaning to bring this up, and you and Labs laughed at me. 
But Labs gave me a project for Steelers Digest, the, the 18 free agents, write a little something on them, and part of the deal was write their birthday and age and all that stuff. And of the 18 You've been waiting agents, for this one. I've been waiting for this one. Like, <laughs> it blows me away that you guys weren't like, wow, that's really impressive, Matt. Of the 18 free agents, six of them, two pa- or three pairs, all share the same birthday. Which is, what's the chances? There's 365 days in the year. What's the chances that two of them do, let alone three different pairs, and two of them are on Christmas Day? How about that? It's just a little nugget for all you people out okay. there. They'll probably never play again together, but <laughs> I was a little blown away. I keep writing 12, 1225 next to these guys, and I'm like, oh, birthday's familiar, so that's the end of that. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. It's been on my cranium for a while now. Well, you got it out there now. Yeah. But uh, let's talk to the Watt boys. If they want to... Do, in the bottom line, if J.J. wants to play for next to nothing, he certainly can. Here. J.J. will be able to pick his spot. Yeah. That's the that's the long and short of it. That's the long and short of it. Um, you know, so what it's going to come down to then is does J.J. – is the draw of playing with his brothers mm-hmm. now, is that something that he wants to do? His parents would save a lot in playing fair. They would. They don't, they'd big actually right be able to go to just one game. Yeah. Get them, set them up a little apartment here or something too. Yeah. You know. And tell TJ he can pick up the the stake tabs and stuff too. And you pay for play for nothing for one year, but that's the only way it's going to happen, folks. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's the only way it can happen. Right. It, it has to be a situation where he is willing to take a, way less than he's worth. way less than what he would get mm-hmm. if he was just on the open market. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that and maybe he will. We don't know. Right? You yeah, know? we I don't mean, know. I could see why he would. I would consider if I were in his shoes, nice shoes to be in. They are absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> nice um, would you take a Would you take a shot if you're the Steelers at re-signing TJ now as opposed to waiting the next year? Yeah, the way you laid it out, absolutely. I mean, I think it would. When you see a lot of people leaving the building, including the Pounceys of the world, I think it's a very good message. You know that this is a foundational player. I know this was a weird year for Zooms and whatnot, but he sure seemed to step up as a leader as a a media guy, as a face of the team. And if I can even save half a million dollars in this year's cap, great, we need it. The other thing you know? that does for you is it then frees up your franchise tag next year. Good point, good point. Because, again, you don't want to have to use that. Yeah. You're you're gonna have players a, don't like it. Yeah, you're going to have a bunch of guys who are potentially heading into free agency next year, mm-hmm. and let's say you you want to use that tag I mean, on somebody. These aren't bad team position to franchise, you know? Yeah. Something like that. No, yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. So, uh, yeah, I, it would not surprise me if the Steelers at some point approached that this offseason. Unfortunately, it doesn't give you a lot of cap relief for this year. But it could, it, it could even be something that you wait and do before training camp. Um, you know, one of those type deals. Because, again, the savings aren't enough that, that it's going to say, oh, well, you know. The difference between signing one guy or But not. it does free up a little bit of cash for the regular season. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, you know that that's that essentially you know opening day kickoff. Kevin Colbert said he he wants to take or he likes to take now an additional five million dollars into the start of a season because that's making five roster moves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we talk about that a lot. Or actually, I think it's, I think he said he likes enough to have make be able to make ten roster moves mm-hmm. over the course of the season. Trade well, for a Vanette or you know I mean those things get more stuff, expensive. Right? Yeah, yeah, you need Sign stuff. Avery Williamson yeah. or you in the middle of the year. Um, that's tough. So, you know, $5 million is the minimum that you need to have. After you sign your draft pick. Yeah. And that's already fielding a 53 and all that stuff, too. Yeah. So that that could be a move that helps them there, at least free up a little bit of cash mm-hmm. to going into the season. And, you know, you're going to have to yeah. 
next year pick it, make that decision. Uh, next year gets it gets really interesting. You get him pick up that fifth year option, not only on Minka Fitzpatrick but Terrell Edmonds as well. Yeah, we, we covered right, right, that right. a few weeks ago. What the difference there and that money is going to be? Two first round picks that year. Yeah, uh, yeah it's the same as if you were drafted. And you've had Minka very cheap mm-hmm. over the last uh, couple of years. I mean, not that you need it, but you you do that extension with TJ. The Watt family's in. A, Really happy with the Steelers. Mama says we love that organization. JJ, you should go there. <laughs> yeah, anything that, anything that can get JJ here a little easier, I'm all for. Yeah, so well, we'll see how that works out. I'm sure it's it'll it'll continue to be a hot topic. Um, I promise you, JJ's agents talked to many teams in the last month. Though. Yeah, it's not just all of a sudden. And his agent's Tom Condon. He's no rookie. He's been around the block. Yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. around the block quite a bit. Tom is uh, very well versed in. Uh, with a number of teams, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's going to be uh, something to keep do what's him. best for JJ. The nice thing about it is, though, since he was released, it doesn't cost you anything in comp picks. Yeah, right, right. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, interesting. So, yeah, he could no, sign. He would help any team. He could sign tomorrow with somebody, and it doesn't hurt their comp. It doesn't hurt at all. Yeah. Oh, he's people are going to be begging to get him. Yeah. And they're gonna, I bet some teams offer him a lot. There will be a big market for JJ Watt. Right. I mean, if I'm just thinking of some teams that have cap space, like the Patriots and the Colts that think they're good, whether they are or not, New England, that's who I'm talking about. I'd give them a, a pretty decent well, contract. The, 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 Colts just, uh, the Colts have watched him over the last 10 years wreck their season year after year. Heck yeah. And, oh, by the way, they're not bringing back Justin Houston. Right. They right. could use a defensive end. You put him next to Buckner on throwing downs. Oh, or, yeah, right. Yeah. They could be dangerous. Yeah, now you've now you've actually got something there. Yeah, you still don't have a quarterback. No, but it's, <laughs> you got better. Yeah, you did you get better. better. That, to me, you know – the whole thing with with Watt, T.J. Watt, and Minka Fitzpatrick and Cam Hayward, and you know the rest of that defense. When people talk about the Steelers, well, they're not going to be any good in in twenty twenty one. Why do we think this defense isn't going to be great? You were eight and eight without Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. with two quarterbacks making their their NFL debut two right. years ago right, with that right. defense. Why do you think it's going to be so- suddenly fall apart and you're going to they're going to go six and ten? Right. No, I 100% agree. I mean... I, I don't get it. Do you think the defense will be worse next year than this year? I bet it'll be on the same tier. Yeah, it's not, it, it may be uh, take a step backwards. It's still going to be a top-10 defense in the right. NFL. Right, They're still going to rush the passer well. Yeah. They're still going to make plays on that side of the ball. I still think T.J. Watt, still, to me, hasn't even still... Still hasn't reached his peak. Right. Highsmith will be better than he was. Fitzpatrick still hasn't he still hasn't hit his peak. Bush hasn't been close. Right. I yeah, mean these right, these right. are guys who are ascending young players. That's why you, when you talk when people talk about blowing it up, how do you blow it up and go to those defensive guys and say, Hey guys, we're we're gonna mm-hmm. rebuild, we're gonna we're gonna try and win in twenty twenty four. People don't seem to recognize <laughs> it, but Edmonds was a lot better this year than he was the last couple of years. It gets overshadowed because they have so many stars. It's right. like Donnie Shaw on the seventies D. You forget how good these guys are. He got a lot better this year. Why isn't he going to get a little better or play at least at the same level? His coverage to me was much yeah, improved. Yeah, so what if he takes a step, another step from where he went two years ago to this year mm-hmm. and takes that that step again next year? Like, right. You know, we, we and I don't love the pro football focus grades. No. But pro football focus had him graded as like the 20th best safety in the league. Mm-hmm. People around here don't recognize that he's – because he's, he's, he's not Minka. Because he's not Minka. It goes back to the argument we had with with mm-hmm. Pouncey when you compare him to to Dawson and mm-hmm. you know. And I bet they find some rookie on defense that helps the team too. You know, yeah. as long as you don't get rushed by injuries. I mean, if they if Cam and TJ are out for the year, yeah. well, yeah, the defense that's any be a team. Yeah. yeah, that's every team. But assuming look what happened this, to the 49ers this right. year. You know, you know, the same level of health or you know similar. 
I think the defense is going to be a top-notch unit. Should be. Right. I mean, there's there's no reason to think that it won't. I can't believe that the offense won't be better than it was last year, too. Yeah, I mean, again, you add if you add a running back to that equation, a, a true, mm-hmm. you know, I'm we're, I'm not even talking about a top ten a running McCaffrey, back. Right. If he's a if they had the worst running game in the league last year, mm-hmm. if that if that again if that's league average, if yeah. they if they improve that by twenty yards a game, oh, that would be. It's a massive ripple effect. That also makes your defense better, by the way. Yeah. Um, and I think Ben would be a lot more efficient if he threw less passes too. You know, I mean. You're just harder to play against. Yep, yep, I agree. Um, but uh, that is going to do it for this show. So yeah. I want to uh, thank one. my partner, Matt Williamson, uh, for another good segment here of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. I want to thank Jacob Breck for keeping us on the air, as he always does. And we want to thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. Uh, of course, a... Uh, uh, Friday here in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. The big news today, uh, Marquise Pouncey's official retirement uh, with the Steelers. And uh, just as a reminder to everybody, you can listen to us here on Steelers Nation Radio always. We're always. always, we're always uh, rerunning shows. If you want a specific show, maybe you missed one, maybe mm-hmm. you want to see hear something back from earlier in the week, you can download all of our shows where you get your podcasts for free. Yeah. Subscribe you to your podcast. subscribe no matter what. Yeah, do yeah. that. Uh, uh, subscribe to your podcast today and listen to us anywhere, anytime. Absolutely. I'm a big podcast guy. It's the only way to go. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned, uh, Marquise Pouncey announcing his official retirement uh, this morning. Um, I knew about this last night, uh, but I was kind of sworn to secrecy on it. I couldn't <laughs> yeah. release it uh, until Ramon made the official Tweet about yeah, it, right? Yeah. Right. Um, they they had agreed to do that. So and the brothers doing it together, the twins. I think that's yeah. pretty cool, right? Um, but I had the story ready to go, and boom, had it out there as soon as I saw Ramon's tweet. Okay, I'm good. Tweeting, getting out roll. there. Uh, but so that gave me a chance to to look back at Marquise's uh, career. Obviously, we've been talking about this for a while now, and I, I I've obviously been asked a lot: Is Marquise Pouncey a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I'm sure that's the next conversation you have. Then you know. Nine Pro Bowls. Wow. Does it bet that many? That's is that's the most of any Steeler not named Joe Green. Wow. I didn't realize that. Joe Green went to ten. That's I mean, so that's that's Pretty big number, yeah. yeah. You said nine, I was like, wow. It, yeah. And he only he played he played he was eligible or he was yeah, eligible for eleven seasons, but he didn't play one of those years. Twenty fifteen he was hurt. Mm, okay. So really I missed it this year. Yeah. He, <laughs> really well, no, missed he, it this year, right. He, no, he did uh he went this year. He oh, was, he went this year. Okay. Yeah. So there was only one time. The other time that he didn't was go eligible. was another year that he was hurt. Okay. When he blew out his ACL. Did he so, go as a rookie? Yes. Also, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also a five-time All-Pro. Which is the best center in the league. Yeah, two on right. the first team, three times on the second team. So the Hall of Fame bona fides there, more importantly, made the All-Decade team. Uh-huh. And the All-Decade team, that for, is big. for people that, that don't know... The All-Decade team is voted on by the guys who do the voting for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Same voters. Okay. So I did that last year because I it was it was a an All-Decade year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the All-Decade centers for the 2010s were Marquise Pouncey and Alex Mack. 
And I would put Pouncey's career in resume over Max. Right. You know, for yeah. For their career. I mean, just for Hall of Fame stuff. So that's something that, you know, again, that, that's voted on by the people who vote for the Hall of right, Fame. Right, right, right. So I, I, I got to wondering if, if there's a uh, pro football reference has a thing called the the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame Monitor. Yeah, you've used this before. It's a pretty interesting situation. So if you look at Marquise Pouncey's career, these are the centers who rank ahead of him on the all, on the uh, Hall of Fame monitor at okay. the center position. All time, ever. All time. Dermonte Dawson's number one. As he should be, by the way. Jim Otto's number two. Okay. Mike Webster, number three. <laughs> Not bad. Dwight Stevenson, number four. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. And he, and, much like the, the like the debate at the time throughout the, 80, the late 70s, early 80s, was which center's better, Webster or, or Dwight Stevenson? Mm-hmm. Stevenson was a little younger. He kind of succeeded yeah. you know, and took over the mantle, you know? Um, Webster's just a little bit higher than him. Okay. Wow. Um, then uh, right below that, the average Hall of Famer is 109. Has a score it's, it's of 109. That I give him, right? So right below that is Kevin Mawai. I didn't think belonged, though. Keep that quiet to myself, but okay. Eight Pro Bowls, three times first team All yeah. Pro, so okay. very similar numbers to Pouncey. Jim Langer, yeah. Mike T- or Mick Tinglehoff, mm-hmm. and then Marquise Pouncey. All wow. the guys ahead of him on that I just mentioned are already in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I mean, those last three names don't make you jump up and down like wow, they're the best centers ever, but they're in the Hall of Fame. Those are also the only. Centers in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I was, I was sitting there thinking, like, who else could else? Who else do we consider all-time greats? Really, besides those first four you mentioned, the yeah. two Steelers and Otto. And, the you know. guys right behind Pouncey, Jeff Saturday, huh. Tom Nalen, really, <laughs> Alex Mack, okay, uh, Mark Stepnoski. I thought Step was a really good player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay Hilgenberg. These aren't that great. Len House. So it's not like there's a. It's Bart not like Oates, the wide receiver position Kent where Hull, there's a million yeah. receivers that are just begging to get in with this awesome resume. So wow. Yeah, I mean he's right there on that front. Like, I I could see him getting it. Like if you if you sort that by Pro Bowls made. Jim Otto's number one with twelve. Okay. He played fifteen years. Webster and Pouncey are second. Wow. With nine. Just behind Joe. All Green time. Steelers, right. Yeah. All and time. Ever at center. Yeah. Wow. I, I got to be very honest. I mean, I, I don't mean to like rain on Pouncey's parade because this is a, a big day. As soon as he said that, Hall of Fame, because it's been brought up to me before, I immediately say no. And I think I'm part of Steeler Nation where we've seen the two best ever, basically. <laughs> you know, like if he would play for the Packers or Bears or somebody oh, else. Without a doubt. I think his his reputation or his case in the public eye might, or even in the, the, the local eye might be stronger. Like, eh, he's the second best center. I've seen well, that's, that's the problem. One. That's you know the problem I mean? with, with playing that position for the Steelers. You're right. Like, you're going to be measured against Dawson and Webster. And they're probably the best two that have ever lived. <laughs> right. They're, you know what If I mean? they're not the best two, they're, as, as the Hall of Fame monitor says, they're two of the best three. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'll take Dawson over everybody times a million. And that's not the standard, though. I mean, that's not – you don't have to be better than dirt to be – But when uh, you compare him to his contemporaries, the other guys that have played his position, yeah. now all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, maybe that is – I was thinking of Mac, but I was also like, well, who else are in the, in the conversation? Well, I remember when I, when I, did, centers of the when I did the vote last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they give you the list of all the guys who made Pro Bowls, all the guys who are all pro, okay. all Just that so stuff. so you don't forget anybody. Yeah, so you, yeah. so you make sure – because, I mean, you're looking back 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, you may, you may forget somebody – 
And can I so, stop you real quick? I know yeah. those can be kind of goofy. If you came in the league in 1985, it doesn't help your cause to be on right. an all-decade team. You're right. Five and five or whatever. I mean, you know? unless you're you know a five-time first-team All-Pro. If you're great. Right, yeah. Right, right, right. But you couldn't put 10 years in that decade. To me, it came down to Pouncey, uh, Mack. I'll take Pouncey over Mack. Rodney Hudson. I was thinking how Hudson and Kelsey. And Kelsey was the other okay. one. Okay. Um, and the difference for me over those other guys was, first of all, Pouncey had more stuff. Pro Bowls. And more Pro stuff, Bowls and stuff. This is, you know, we're not playing fantasy football. It's right. hard to build a resume for interior offensive linemen. He played longer in the in the uh, than, than Kelsey in the... In that decade. In that decade. Okay. And I believe he, you know, if you, I'm, I'm looking here for Hudson... I mean, it's part of winning teams without question. And that's too. that's the other part of with Hudson is just there's just not as much there. I mean, the Chiefs weren't the Chiefs when he was there, and he's been a good Raider, but they they're five hundred on a good year, right. you know. And that yeah. kind of matters and Mac too. too. Mac was a Brown all right. those years too, and it's not like he's tearing it up in Atlanta. Yeah. So to me, I I voted for it's interesting. I voted for uh, Pouncey and Mac. Okay. I mean, my first take when we say all that is, there's not been that many great centers. They really haven't. I mean, compared to, I mean, I can name a lot of you safeties. Could, you I could look back at that last decade, in fact, this, right. the, the 2010, and say, well, this is one of the better decades. It's better than de- depth wise. The Hilgenberg, yeah. you know, or Saturdays of the world, you know, that I'm not ripping on them. We're talking about Hall of Fame caliber yeah. here. They're great players. But, you know, you look at any other position on the field, you can come up with 10 all time greats or. Ten guys from the last decade or two that at least deserve consideration. I mean, I could make the argument that none of those guys deserve consideration, which to me makes Pouncey's case stronger because if you're the best of the even a weak group, you're the best you're of still your the era. Best. Yeah, you're yeah, the best right, of your right, era, right. and that's what you know. And uh, maybe we forget how good he was five years ago, eight years ago. And, and here's you know? the, here's the thing: that injury in 2015, mm-hmm. the, when he broke his fibula, had to have seven surgeries. To clean that thing out. Wow. Came back and played the next year. Mm-hmm. Alex have been the Alex same. Smith just had the same thing happen to him. Now he underwent twelve surgeries. Took him two years to get back, and he won. He won comeback player of the year. Pouncey didn't even get a sniff of that. And, and did the same thing. Good. Yeah. yeah. Smith wasn't even a good player. Right. Pouncey right. came back and started every game the next year. Mm-hmm. It made the Pro Bowl and all pro. <laughs> I mean, you've been to all the practices since then, and it, it's been pretty obvious, even to probably most of our viewers, that if somebody's going to get a Wednesday off or a week 17 off. It was Ben, then him. You know, well, like that's why. That that right. injury was, was I, say. I mean. Fighting through it. His brother fought through a lot, too. Right. Yeah. Um, and part of the, you know, I, I mentioned this in the story that I wrote about him. Part of the reason why he got hurt on some of those occasions because was because he got asked to do more than your typical center. It's the stupid pro football focus conversation. Yeah. You, know? you know, you think back to when, when, he, when he broke his leg or when he tore his ACL. He and DeCastro were out on the edge, you know, like they're they're 15 yards mm-hmm. from where they were from where he snapped the football. Where a lot of centers never find. You don't get your right, center's yeah. not getting out there. Yeah. Uh, the the play where he broke his leg again, pulling out on under the edge to and he gets you know gets rolled up from behind. I mean, a lot of downfield blocking, especially earlier in his career. Yeah. I mean, the last year or two, he hasn't moved or bent you know, bended the same way as he did before. Or is explosive. But yeah, as I remember, I'll never forget. I think it was my first, this year aside, since there was no preseason, but Crawley and I always do the post-game preseason games. I think it was my first one ever happened to correlate with Pouncey's rookie year. So it was, let's watch Pouncey. Matt, show me, tell me what you think of Pouncey. And I remember watching him in the first NFL 
dressing saying he might be their best lineman right now. Like yeah. the way he comes off the ball, his stance, his explosion, his spring, his balance, nastiness, finish, hand usage. I was like, wow, this guy's really good now. And he kept getting better and better. That's the, like uh, Ramon Foster wrote a uh, wrote a piece remembering Pouncey's career mm-hmm. uh, for for us at DKPittsburghSports.com. And I was editing this thing last night, and he was telling the story uh, of that first rookie OTA, the, the first oh, rookie okay. OTAs. Sure, uh, first fir- round center, a yeah. lot of attention on him. And Sean Coogler was the coach at the time, and and they came out and they got through, they got done with practice. And Kugler, you know, gets everybody around him, and he says, "Okay, guys, that was a really good first practice. You guys are right here." And he said he put his hand up to his nose, okay, you know, and said, "You guys, you know, really good practice. You guys are right here." He said, "Marquise, you're up," and he raised his hand <laughs> really? above his head, like, and in it was front of all the veterans, yeah. and right, right, and, if, and he said from that point on, all the veterans, all the guys were looking at Pouncey and going, well, "We can't let this kid." Pass sure, us that right. quickly, so they they up their game because he he came in and well, was. I bet they resented him to some degree too. I mean, in it, a way, you love it. To in a yeah. way, it's like they, they took it as a are, they right. took it as a challenge right. because he brought that out in them. The, Plus, that's his nature as a leader yeah. and as a fiery guy, right? You know, and, and so it, wow. it raised the level of play for all of them. Hmm. Yeah, when I sat down twenty minutes ago here with you, I thought he's not a Hall of Famer, but you talk through it. It's a pretty strong case you just laid out. Yeah, I mean, I hope you get the the honor of uh, maybe getting him in someday because that's that's a lot to be said considering who he's played with and against at that position, his contemporaries, and you know through the history of the league. How many centers are better than Marquise? Five, you know? Yeah, maybe. You I know? mean, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You know, right? So, uh, and looking at this, maybe we saw we maybe we saw Kevin Y a little short. Maybe I was actually thinking yeah. that too. Like. <laughs> If he's the fifth best center of all time, well, then he should be in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because he didn't pass the, the just because the you play a position like center's not to me. We're not talking about punters and kickers here. Yeah, these are guys that actually play the game. Punches the ball every play, and you're, in a lot of lines, your center's your most important guy. The, the thing about a center is the mental side of it is so very important. And the announcers aren't going to be like, boy, did you see the check Pounce made? And, you know, and the, the average fans aren't going to be like, man, Pouncey's checking he out. Really, of, he really know. identified that blitz. Right, right. And passed <laughs> off that stunt better than any center I've ever seen. You know, like, you got to know stuff and study stuff to be part of that. And, you know, like, I, I've warned our listeners that when we talk about the Steelers' next center, I'm going to tell you guys, is he tough? Is he smart? And if no, one of those two boxes isn't checked, move on. I don't can't care. I don't center. want them. Right. Yeah. And then if you can add athleticism like Pouncey had on top of those things, you know, then you get now a you great get player. special. Yeah, yeah. Then you get a great player. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the problem. Even I, I found this when I'm looking at the centers in this year's draft. Yeah, four or five. I end up. Uh, I'm comparing right. them to. You know, I saw Dermonte Dawson play a lot. Yeah. I've right. seen Pouncey play a lot. Even Harding. I even saw Harding's right, play. Right. You know, his his entire career, and I'm like. Okay, they don't really measure up to those guys, <laughs> but they're better than what. <laughs> but they're better than teams. They're are the best. You know, they're, again, they're, we talked about. There are four guys coming out that I'd say, okay, the, you could probably put one of those in your lineup, and they would start for you now. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Um, Project them to starters. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, that doesn't mean any of them are Hall of Famers. Are yeah. going to be ridiculously great, but or I mean, first rounders. Kent Hall and Olin Krutz are on this list, and they're like twentieth, nineteenth, and twentieth. Yeah, right. They were fine. They were, yeah, fine I, players, yeah. I'm sure they went to a Pro Bowl or Only two. Cruz went to six Pro Bowls. Did he really? Yeah. Okay. But I never thought of him as a difference maker. Or... <laughs> Kenton Hall was a two-time first-team first all-pro. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> I hadn't thought about the center legacy in the league. Jay Hilgenberg was went to seven Pro Bowls and was two a two time first team All Pro. Like, yeah. I mean, they're all fine, and I haven't studied every snap of these guys, but none of them do you say. I mean, there's not many even Hilgenberg jerseys floating around. You know, like, I mean, my son, who's a student of the game, probably knows none of those names. You know what I mean? Like, they're not stars yeah. in the, by the NFL, you know, criteria. Yeah, so I, it's, it's going to be interesting. It'll be an interesting conversation. And, well, there'll be five more years to uh, to talk about it before that because it'll be five years mm-hmm. before Pouncey is eligible to be in the Hall of Fame. He won't make it on his – even if he – He's not going to be a slam dunk guy. No, course, I mean, right. put it this way. You know, when you look at uh, Fanica, according to this list, uh, again, the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. monitor, Fanica is the fourth best guard of all time. Which is about where Pouncey is. I mean, in the neighborhood. But It, it took Fanica six the, years to get in. Yes, as I was say. And there are many more guards in the Hall of Fame than there are. And the names around him are yeah. way more recognizable. I'm sure there's Larry Allen and Hannah. And, yeah. You know, I mean, no-brainers. By know? the way, Fanica is way ahead of Hutchinson on this list, too. Yeah, you've said that before. Yeah. Interesting, but uh, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's got. I think it's cool they retired together. By the way, the twins. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, they work out work out together mm-hmm. in the off season. Obviously, I've only seen the two of them together. I think once when they played here the one time. I'm I'm talking about in person when oh, I saw okay. them. I can't. I'm trying to think of where that happened, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. But it's scary. Yeah, Spitting image. Other than it's, and they have some different tattoos. You'd have to know who's is who's type. That's of thing. the only way you can tell them apart. Okay. They Body even sound exactly alike. Yeah. I mean, all they, their they, mannerisms. Yeah. Right. Identical. To, I mean, right. you couldn't be any more identical than those wow. two. I, I always think about it. Like, imagine if you were Florida and you had both those dudes. <laughs> you know, and really, Mike would start for center at every other college in the country except for this one because yeah. his brother's there, and then he stays in school an extra year. I assumed it was. Just, I, I'm trying to think why he would have done that. Obviously, they're the same age down to the minute almost, and he stuck around a year longer. Was it because he was wanted to snap the ball in college for a year? Because he I, didn't get a chance to do that. He yeah, was gone. I, I think, may, you know, perhaps. I forget, yeah. You know, Marquise was also first team All American and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. I mean, first round pick center. Yeah. Don't grow on trees, right? He's the 18th pick in the draft. Right, right. As I mean, a center. <laughs> that's an elite. I mean, that's like Jonathan Ogden going in the top five. Yeah. You know, like, or Quentin Nelson going as high. I can't as even did. remember the last time a center went that high. That's what I'm thinking. Like, who? Dawson was a two or three. I mean, Dawson uh, Dawson was a second round pick. Was Stevenson a one? I don't know. But I mean, but I can't think of there any are, centers. I, I, I mean, it's Mac it's, was a two. It's very rare that a center goes in the first round to begin with. Very rare. Let alone the 18th pick in the draft. Like, right. I'm sure we're missing a couple, but man, they. No one that comes out. I of, mean, Ryan Khalil, I believe, went in the first yeah, round. Yeah, he did. So did the current Colts. Nick Mangold was a first round. Mangold pick. was a really, really good player yeah. too. I don't. I kind of thought he had a Hall of Fame case too. I remember watching him at the Senior Bowl, thinking he was a stud. Uh, I don't think he lasted long enough. But yeah, he is way down the list here. At uh, he was a deserved first round pick. Ryan Kelly was a first. He ended round up pick. playing eleven years and was seven seven Pro Bowls and two uh, two first team All Pros. But his Hall of Fame score is only, is only 46.33. Hmm. That's funny because That's of all the down. names you mentioned, I'll take Mangold over almost all of them. I uh, think he's great. He's just ahead of Hardings. Okay. I remember even watching him in high school, and we didn't get him a pit, obviously. But yeah, <laughs> but he was really, really good. Um, um, but, yeah. yeah, it's pretty darn rare. We came up with like three or four names in the last 20 years. that are, And there's not going to be any this year. 
Right. Yeah, there wasn't any last year. That's the th- you know when people talk about that, and obviously center now becomes a very big need mm-hmm. for the Steelers in the draft. Um, it's it's not a fir- it's not something you're going to do in the first round. No, I was just on the on the air with Stan, and he's like, "Well, Pouncey was an 18th pick. You know, are you are you down with taking one at 24?" I'm like, if it, if Pouncey was coming out, yeah, not right, dudes, <laughs> <laughs> not just because we need. A center I'm not going to just take one just to take. You know, if I had if the centers are all ranked in you know 45 to 70, which is mm-hmm. I believe where they're that's yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. I'm not taking one at 24. No, absolutely not. I mean, maybe I would trade down twice like we often do, or you know, the Steelers' second round pick, one of those four, who's ever there, right. pick from one or two of them. Absolutely, I, I think that's why you know we've traded down so much. I mean, we kind of assumed this was going to happen. Now mm-hmm. it's now it's reality. Right, right. Um, you know, it, trading down to acquire, you know, more picks in that second or third round gives you more shot at one of those four. Right, and right. the running back, and the running back. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm doing more and more running back homework, and I'm some guys I'm starting to warm up to. But it feels like there's two, you know, that really fit the that bill. really fit what you want. Out of, and you ATN's know. a good player, but he's just not the style I think that people want. You know, Williams and uh, Harris are the two that obviously that we're talking about. Yeah, so it's hard so, to so hard I mean to set you know up to get all to me things. if if Harris is there in the first round, I have mixed feelings. I I, I would probably take him and then grab mm-hmm. the center in the second round. Right. And then get myself a developmental tackle in the third. Because there could be one. Yeah. The tackles, there's a lot of them. Yeah. There, I mean, it's D. There's, there's, there's at least 12 to 15 guys. 10 plus. Yeah. That you would be very happy with to add Absolutely. To the team. I mean, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, when you're. Cincinnati kid. The 15th North kid Kansas is a Cincinnati right. kid who's a, you know, a developmental guy. Absolutely. He's highly athletic you know. and former defensive lineman. Yeah. I actually just mentioned At the same time, team. you know, if you can get that tackle early. And he becomes your starting left tackle. You know, let's D- Darisaw falls to you. You got to take him because the, like of the I value. think Darisaw probably over Harris. Yeah, but that makes it tough to get that back. Then, then it makes it difficult really to get the tough. back and the center unless you right. start trading future picks. Tackles are the most premium by far of those three things. Absolutely. I mean, like, Villanueva is going to make a lot of money whether he deserves it or not. You know, Hubbard, all these guys. But it's the one that I think you could do the best with your third pick on. In this draft. Absolutely. Yeah, it's deeper. In, in this draft. It's right. deeper. Those other two spots are mm-hmm. much thinner. Yes. I mean, the economists, the statisticians, the metrics people would be like, take the tackle first and then centers and running backs don't matter. But if you get shut out on those centers and running backs, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, unless you feel like you can teach somebody mm-hmm. and then you're getting the money ball. It's extremely difficult. Man, it's hard, te- hard can't you just p- teach anybody to play first base? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, learning up on the fly is not, <laughs> at not the professional ideal. level, right? And, yeah, right. That's yeah, you've played offensive too. line before, but you've never done it with one hand because you're snapping the ball and snapping then getting the ball with a shotgun snap. So <laughs> we saw Pouncey shotgun snap, but then it went awry. We saw know? one happen in the what was it conference championship? No, Super Bowl. Yeah, when right, we're right. flying over Brady's head. Yeah, exactly. it happens. Oh yeah, Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl, or you know. I mean, you don't think of it until you think of it. Yeah. It's almost like the long snapper, you know. Just You yeah. never think about the long snapper until the ball bounces back to the punter. <laughs> until it's a bad one, right. <laughs> but I do think the Steelers are in a good position to find one of those four. And there may even be another name that arises the more we homework we do or that they like. or um, We had kind of talked about this off the air. Ideally, I think you'd love to find a Wisniewski cheap Swingman veteran, yeah. maybe opening day starter. Right, because it's not it's, it's not J.C. Hassenauer. I, I 
be happy not ever seeing him again. <laughs> good, you know, more power to him. He, yeah, he, he did everything possible. He's hung around the NFL, he's, but he's he might have to get he's undersized even for center. It's funny. He looks funny out there. Yeah. And, I mean, he looks like everybody's little brother. Yes, and that's a problem. Yeah. Um, you got to do better than that. Yeah. I mean, I think they will do better than that with their backup. They definitely will do better than that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Austin Howard has a chance to be the opening You can always star. bring A.Q. Shipley back. I like A.Q. <laughs> He's been around the block. <laughs> Maybe A.Q. would take the hometown discount for one year and be pure center. Uh, he's Hey, Stephon Wisniewski could be available again, too, for, he for could. that matter. The Super Bowl was not his finest moment. It was not, either. no. Right. For, I think we mentioned this Monday that everyone was saying, boy, the Steelers are so dumb for cutting Wisniewski. He didn't exactly hold up so yeah, well. Well, they had five turnstiles out there. For <laughs> right. He wasn't the, the rock of the group or anything. So, But, yeah, it, it's it's going to be uh, interesting, um, you know, moving on from Pouncey. It definitely changes the tenor of that locker room. I mean, when you I think bet. about uh, – I was talking with Ramon yesterday. I said if you, if you, when you look at it, um, you know, that line was together for so long. Amazingly. Yeah, and right. now uh, essentially, you're, there's a good chance that the, you know the only guy left on it this you know the, in 2021 is DeCastro. Yeah, and that'll be a a big thing is finding a tough, smart leader. You know, all those type yeah. of things. That's kind of the the thing that I like about the Bama dude, the Bama center Dickerson. Too. Dickerson is it seems like that's his forte, nastiness, and he also could play guard. Not that that's what you're looking for, but. Um, it's going to be hard to replace, uh, considering over a two-year period yeah. you lose a Ramon, Villanueva, and Pouncey. Yeah, I mean, three, three cornerstones. That, right, you right. know, I've seen people saying, well, they need to move on from DeCastro. You want to you want to go with a whole, whole new young, whole new young line? New I, I don't know that that's a – Right, I don't think that's – No, you need, you need somebody there who's the, who's the adult in the room. Mm-hmm. And you've got a guy there who still, still plays at a, a reasonably high level. You know. He didn't have his best year, and neither did anybody on that line. But I don't know that the, the Castro was 100 percent healthy for a lot of yeah. the season. I'll I'll put my money on him bouncing back next yes. year. Yes, uh, because he's been too good of a player for too long. They they have some older guys that I wouldn't say that. I'm not saying about everybody, but yeah. him I trust to be a high end player next year. Yeah, I do as well. So, uh, but uh, Marquise Pouncey announcing his retirement after 11 seasons. Uh, we wish him well and. Uh, the Steelers, uh, oh, by the way, save $8 million in salary cap space. Mm-hmm. Right. Which right. they can put to good use. They can definitely put to good use. And yeah. Uh, hopefully, as the, in the next week or so, we'll have some more answers with cap situations and Steeler restructures and whatnot. And um, I'm sure people are going to be begging, they got enough room for JJ? I mean, we'll probably talk about that at another time. <laughs> we'll talk but, about hey. that in, uh, <laughs> a little bit later today. But uh, we're going to take a break now. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio.
Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. And Matt, uh, we have a special edition of The Drive today. Yeah, this is be good. Uh, our friend uh, friend of the show, Stan Saverin, uh, has been uh, doing some interviews with some uh, Steelers past, as he is wont to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did this, these ones for uh, Steelers.com. And uh, one of the guys that he caught up with uh, recently was James Ferrier. Yeah, boy, interesting career with Ferrier. I mean, very early pick of the Jets, I think by Parcells yeah. at the time. Yeah, And led the NFL in tackles one of those years for Parcells as an outside linebacker. No, so he and they that kept Timmons edge. They kept changing inside too. outside with Ferrier and never could figure out what they wanted to do with him. And then right. he comes to the Steelers. As an inside, inside backer guy to and, stay uh, and yeah. really shines. Yeah, um, you know we talked a, a little bit uh, earlier in the week about the Hall of Fame monitor. Yeah, uh, if you look at uh, at Ferrier's career, um, he comes in right below Sam Mills, who's been a finalist the last couple of years, and just ahead of uh, London Fletcher. Okay. Who was also on the Hall of Fame Both list. really good careers. I don't think any of them are Hall of Famers. And yet Ferrier's gotten right. very little push for the Hall of Fame. Sure. I mean, like, you don't even see him on any list, period. I mean, I'm not suggesting he should even be a finalist, but you would think that his, name should be out his there. His problem was he played at the same time as Ray Lewis mm. in and the same conference as Ray Lewis. And I even felt like he got overshadowed by some of his teammates in Pittsburgh, that, too, that, Yeah, that, you know? that as well. But he was a very good player for a long time for the Steelers and the— uh, uh, part of those three Super Bowl teams, right? But, uh, that that kind of matters. It's funny that people don't talk about the Steelers about going out to get free agents, but there's been a couple key key ones. Yeah. You know, the really well spun buying low on a guy that with a high high ceiling like Farrier. Yeah, yeah smart. So uh, let's uh, let's give a listen to what uh, James Farrier had to say with Stan Sabrin right now. Hello, everyone. It's my great pleasure to welcome in one of the great Steelers of all time, one of the greatest Steeler linebackers of all time a Steeler captain, and an inductee into the Steelers Hall of Honor, the great James Ferrier joins us now. James, how are you? Thanks for being with us. I'm doing well, Stan. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, Let's go back. Let's go back, way back, almost, I hate to date you or myself, nearly a quarter century ago, a lot of players, they get nervous about getting drafted and maybe they're day two or maybe they're day three. Um, whatever suspense there was for you in 1997 was over rather quickly when the Jets took you with the eighth overall pick. Yes, uh, I still remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I was in the war room with uh, the rest of the players that were uh, supposed to be selected in the first top of the first round. And the waiting game, it, it didn't last long. It was probably a wait. I waited for about 30 minutes. And, you know, if you've ever watched the draft, then you see that first round, guys can wait in there for hours and hours, and it could take all day. And it's a very frustrating experience. But for me, it was exciting. It was over in 30 minutes, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah, some guys are poor guys. They put the cameras on those poor guys, and you, you just you certainly yeah. feel for them. Um, you know, being a guy from a smaller town in Virginia, how would you feel about going to New York? Oh, I was, man, I was so excited about it. And, uh I really didn't know what to expect. I knew it was a big city. I, I'd never been to uh, New York before. And, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, I was looking forward to it and, you know, hoping everything was going to work out great for me. Your four years in, in New York, um, you certainly didn't enjoy the success there individually or team-wise as you ended up having in Pittsburgh. 
And I've always wondered, James, was part of the issue they had you as an outside linebacker, and yet when Kevin Colbert signed you, they moved you not immediately, but initially um, after that inside. Uh, was that a whole new world for you when you played inside versus outside linebacker? Yeah, I think that uh, affected my play a little bit. And I'm not going to say that's the only thing, but, you know, I felt like I, for me to play the best that I could play, I needed to be off the ball and reading instead of always just instant reaction and instant, you know, being on that line of scrimmage, you, you have action right away. And uh, I was a player that tried to, you know, think a little bit more and, you know, want to see and react to things a, a little, uh, for a little bit more time. What was it, as a free agent, you had other opportunities and options, uh, what was it about the Steelers that um, made you decide to sign with them? They were coming off an AFC championship game, unfortunately a loss to the Patriots. Uh, was it the winning tradition or just the opportunity to play and perhaps move inside in a 3-4? Uh, it was actually the only opportunity that I had. You know, Coach Coward, they extended the offer to me and that was pretty much the only thing that I had going for me at the time. And my agent, Ralph Sendridge, he was uh, he was leaning towards me signing with Pittsburgh. And he had a lot of good things to say about the Rooney family. And one thing that he told me that stuck out with me, he said that this is a loyal, uh, a loyal, uh, loyal, loyal owners. And if you do well by them, they will treat you right. And he, everything he said came true. Well, Ralph was a Pittsburgh guy. He would know all about that, uh, certainly understand uh, the connection. Um, what was it playing for Bill Cower? Uh, you know, he had um, you know, been around about 10 years by the time you came on board. Uh, would you classify him as a player's coach? Uh, how would you describe playing for you know, a Hall of Fame coach, Bill Cower? Uh, he was a great coach. He definitely sided towards the players. I never really heard him. One thing that I liked about him, he yelled at the coaches when the players did something wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite part about Coach Cowell. He would be so upset if anybody did something wrong. He wouldn't really yell at the players, but he would get on the coaches. And that's one of the things that stood out to me about Coach Cowell. But, I mean, what a great coach and what a great career he had. And he had a lot of good players behind him. Well, that whole Pittsburgh thing continues on. I might as well ask you while we have a chance to talk about a parallel. Um, you won and played for Super Bowls with two different coaches. Um, can you compare and contrast Bill Cower with Mike Tomlin? Uh, they're a lot more similar than uh, they are different. Coach Tomlin has a similar style of coaching, although he does yell at players more than he does the coaches. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would say that, you know, they both are uh, centered around just having an atmosphere where the players uh, feel comfortable. And that's one of the great things about both of those coaches that I like. Well, the first couple of years you were here, James, uh, weren't great years for the Steelers, made the playoffs um, uh, the one year and beat Cleveland. Uh, you lose the AFC Championship game to the Patriots. And I'm wondering, when you did win the Super Bowl in 2005, was the loss to the Patriots in 04 a motivating factor in winning the Super Bowl in 05? Uh, I don't know so much if it was motivation, but we always want to win a championship and that's the Steelers. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do every season. So, I mean, coming up short the year before, we got so close and we felt like we had 
a great opportunity to reach the Super Bowl and we didn't. It was more just a frustrating feeling that we didn't finish the deal. It's often been said that teams have to learn how to win as a group. And I'm wondering if that was a factor. You had the experience in 04 and that unbelievable season. You're 15 and 1. You'd beaten the Patriots earlier, one of the great games ever played at Heinz Field. Um, and I'm wondering if that didn't help galvanize you, although uh, it should also be mentioned, of course, that in 05, you were sitting there at 7 and 5 and just a long shot to make the playoffs. I think one of the things you said, uh, you said winning helped us uh, out. I think losing together helped us out more than winning together. I think what we went through when we lost that uh, championship game, it was really hard, hard for us to swallow, and it was very frustrating. I think that really uh, bonded us together even more. Take us inside uh, the locker room. You're sitting there at seven and five. And you know you're probably gonna have to go on a four-game run. There was that memorable game where against the Bears, where Jerome ran over Brian Urlacher. People still get excited seeing that. Um, where yes. were you at at seven-five? A team that was expected to win, but here you are on the outside looking in. We we tried to stay laser focused and just tried to hone in on what we needed to do and take it one game at a time. We were. Our backs were against the wall, and any game that we lost would put us out of the playoffs. So our playoffs, Coach Coward, I think he mentioned that, that our playoffs were starting the next week. And if we wanted to make it to the real playoffs, then we had to win one game every week. And, you know, I think we took that one-game approach at a time. Do you think that actually being in playoff mode actually helped you once you did get into the playoffs, beating Cincinnati, and then the memorable game against the Colts and, and certainly against Denver? I mean, do you feel being in that playoff mentality helped you once you actually got into the playoffs? No doubt about it. I think that, that, very, uh, that helped us out tremendously. I think that carried us you know, all the way to the championship. I, we were in playoff mode from week 13 on through, and. Uh, you know, each when we got to the playoff games, it was like, yeah, we're ready to roll, and we're we're just we were hitting on all cylinders, and everything was going how we needed it to go for us to win the championship. I have to ask you about that Indianapolis game. Uh, you had two and a half sacks. You guys were all over Peyton Manning. You took the lead, and then of course Jerome's fumble, Ben's miracle tackle, the missed field goal. Uh, is that as big emotional roller coaster inside one game as you've ever felt? No, no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, we were celebrating after we got our, uh, I think it was a fourth down stop to on the goal line, and we got the ball on the goal line. So as we were walking off the field, waving bye to the fans and, you know, cheering ourselves on and, we thought the game was over. There's only a minute left. We got the bus in the backfield. So, you know, this thing is over. And as we were taunting the fans, we just started hearing cheering, just a loud cheer. And we all turned around and saw Harper running with the ball. And we were like, oh, no, <laughs> what's going to happen? And Ben made one, probably one of the greatest plays in Steelers history. I have to say that. And I mean, I know we had a lot of great players and a lot of great plays, but that was probably up there with one of the best. And uh, after he made that play, I got the defense together. The defense ran out on the field, and I was stand, uh, standing in front of Coach LeBeau, 
and he was still in the shop. He was still in a, in a little bit of shock. And I was like, Coach LeBeau, come on, let's go. It's time to get the call so we can go win this game. And uh, he snapped out of it and called some great calls, and we ended up uh, – they ended up missing the field goal. Well, Ben's one and only tackle ended up being a really big one. Should have made hey, him an honorary member it. of the defense with the, with that one because that guy might have gone uh, all the way. What a, what a game yes. that would have been. Uh, the Super Bowl in Detroit, um, just take us through uh, you guys organizing, unbeknownst to Jerome, having him run out on the field at Ford Field all alone. Uh, I think that was Joy Porter's idea. He was our, he was our William Wallace. I, I always call it. I like to say, and uh, he definitely came. He came up with the idea of having Jerome. Well, first he came up with the idea of getting uh, Jerome Bettis Notre Dame jerseys for all the team, so we could wear that on our uh, our trip to uh, Detroit. And I think before we got there, he had mentioned something about having Jerome go out in front. of before everybody being his hometown probably might be probably being his last game so we wanted to make it real special for Jerome and you know he's one of the big reasons why we were there made him forget that fumble I'm I'm, I'm quite sure oh yeah he will be remember we forgot all much, about it he'll remember much more of that the other thing that I remember about that is I was there all week as you were you guys were in Pontiac um, practicing but Steeler Nation just overwhelmed the city of Detroit, and it was like a home game. Typical Steeler Nation behavior, right? Oh, for sure. You know, any anytime you can get a game where the fans can drive to the game, then you're going to get a big turnout. And uh, Pittsburgh wasn't that far from Detroit, and a lot of people came out, and we were very happy to see that the crowd was definitely tipping the scales for Pittsburgh. Undoubtedly. I, I know the ultimate goal for any athlete uh, is to win a championship. Um, and maybe this is an obvious question, James, but was that the highlight of your career, winning that first Super Bowl? Or was there something else maybe along the way that was more meaningful to you as a Steeler? Uh, definitely the championships. I mean, that's what we play the game for. And, you know, we all, you know, try to do our best and get, you know, play as best as we can. But the team goal is always going to be winning the championship. And, you know, that's the crowning moment of my whole career, both of those championships. Well, let's go to the second one. Um, can you compare and contrast? Was one more meaningful to you than the other? Uh, I think the first one, just because it was the first one, and it's the first time going through that experience. I think that was a probably more special than the second one. The second one, we kind of knew what we were going to be dealing with. We knew how to prepare, and it felt like we were veterans going into that second one. Well, certainly one of the most exciting Super Bowls ever was Santonio Holmes' winning catch. But before that, I have to ask you, and I've asked guys who were on the field during the Immaculate Reception, where were you and what were you doing when James Harrison picked off that pass in the end zone? I was behind James Harrison uh, in the end zone when he caught the ball. And when he caught it and started running, we all, the whole team just started running and everybody was trying to pick up a block. And at, from my vantage point, I was uh, in front of Anquan Bolden. So I was just trying to block him out of the way and slow him down because I knew he was fast and he might could catch him. And uh, I remember him pulling me by my uh, 
my neck bracing, pulling me down. And I was really mad about that. <laughs> I, I still haven't forgiven him for that, but it's okay. <laughs> Uh, arguably the greatest play in Super Bowl history, and he had to score because the clock had expired. Otherwise, and that's the, he that's steps what out I was of bounds with nothing. Whole, that's what I was thinking about the whole time. I was like, he needs to get out of bounds. If we only have a few seconds left, we need to try to get a uh, kick a field goal, and that's all I was thinking about at first. But then when the time ran out, I was like, oh, man, he's got to score now. Like, this, it, I mean, all of that for nothing, and we, we can't let that happen, and he – he made one great, I mean, one hell of a play, and uh, the rest of the guys that, that were there blocking for him, they they also contributed. And uh, like you said, it was one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history. I've looked at that tape, and it seemed like every other member of the defense, uh, all 10 of you, in addition to James, got a block on somebody. I remember Ike running down. I mean, everybody, uh, Troy, oh, yeah. everybody uh, got involved. Um, and that, that 08 defense was special. A lot of people began to compare it to the Steel Curtain years of the 70s. Uh, was that 08 defense in particular, James, the best one that you played on as a Steeler? Yeah, I would say so. That 08 team was really special. The defense was uh, we were really good that year. And uh, I definitely think that was probably my best, probably our best, our best uh, team we had. Well, you talk about the honor of you know, being a champion. One of the things that stuck out to me, uh, in 2005, Super Bowl winning team, your teammates voted you the MVP. Uh, and I wonder, in all the honors you've gotten, if that one isn't maybe most meaningful because it was voted on by your teammates. Oh, yeah. Anytime that you get an award that uh, your peers get a chance to vote for, it's definitely something special. And it's definitely one of the most special uh, moments in my career. Uh, they voted for you not only because of your play, but because of your leadership. And I know that no one sets out and said, okay, I'm going to be a leader now. Uh, but you were. You were a quiet guy. Although if you play with Joey Porter, comparatively, everybody's quiet. But you're a quiet guy. You've always been that way. Um, and, and you exerted leadership. Did you do it consciously? It just come naturally to you? Uh, I think it just comes from just the experience I had. I think my first five years with the Jets, uh, it showed me, it gave me the blueprint of what I looked at, looked up to the older guys. So I had guys like Mo Lewis, Brian Cox, Vinny Testaverde, Curtis Martin, Aaron Glenn, those guys like that around me, uh, a very veteran group. And uh, they showed me what leadership was and I was able to, kind of carried some of the, the lessons that I learned from the Jets and just carried on over to the Steelers. And, you know, by the time I got to the Steelers, I was, you know, more mature as a player. And uh, I understood what, you know, what the heartbeat of a team needs to be like. And uh, definitely having Joy around helped a lot. He, he taught me a lot about being a leader. And uh, it was just one of those things that I never really focused on trying to be a leader. It was just something that came out naturally. Well, it's often been said that uh, you know teammates form bonds, but especially when you've won championships together. Uh, and I wondered if you have been able to maintain a lot of those relationships now that you've been retired for about 10 years. Oh yeah, we have a, a couple of group texts with like 10 or 15 people on each one. And uh, we all definitely try to keep up with each other throughout the year. And we 
we do a couple Zoom calls every now and then to just make sure everybody's doing well. But like you said, it's a special bond when you win a championship with a team and the players that you bond with is it, it, something that carries on for a lifetime. And I, I asked that question because I know that you have reached out to some current Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Black History Month, and you've been involved in programs. Uh, I'd like you to explain uh, what exactly your role has been, how you got involved, and what you're accomplishing. Well, uh, I talked to some players about, uh, it's an online banking app, it's called Goal Setter. And it's to help uh, kids get financially, uh, learn, learn how to save money, learn how to be uh, financially uh, fiscal, and just something, a tool for kids that, that they can use later on in life to help them be more successful. And I joined up with uh, the Steelers and having kids, setting up kids uh, with a savings account in their names and giving them $40 seed money to, towards that account. And it's just a banking app that teaches kids uh, financial literacy and teaching them how to be better people when they're not only be consumers, but to be investors, owners, entrepreneurs, and have that type of spirit. Did you organize this yourself, James? Are you one of the pioneers or is this a National Football League project? I didn't organize it and it's, it came from an investment group that I'm a part of. Oh, sorry, I have a visitor. <laughs> Get him and, on that bank app. Yes. And so the the founder of the uh, banking app is Tanya Van Court. And she she approached uh, our investment group. It's another visitor. <laughs> <laughs> she approached us with uh, with the, the idea of the banking app. And my wife fell in love with it. And I fell in love with it. I thought it was something that could really help kids out, especially under our black and brown kids. And it would be an opportunity for them to, you know, learn how to educate themselves. And it's a fun banking app that kids can, sorry, <laughs> that kids can really uh, get on there and learn, learn in a, a fun way about financial education. This almost sounds like this was scripted. You have your kids come in. We're talking about kids. Yeah. I, I know that you've gotten guys like Zach Banner involved and Stefan to it and, and Will Allen. So you're, you are making a connection with members of the current Steelers team. Yes, I talked to those guys, Zach and Stefan, and they were on board with it. We uh, we had Tanya. She did her pitch with those guys and they loved it. So I'm glad that they're, I'm excited that they're on board. I'm glad that we're all going to be a part of it. I've also uh, reached out to Max Starks. He's going to be one of our founders. Hold on, kids. We can't play that. <laughs> I've reached out to Max, and I'm probably going to try to get everybody that I know on the team, from former players to new players, everybody in between, to just try to uh, make this thing as successful as possible. Now, last thing for you, <clears throat> James. I'm glad we got a chance to see uh, part of your family. You know, you alluded to this very early when we began our discussion about one of the reasons you wanted to come to Pittsburgh. Um, and I've recently read some comments from current Steeler players and former Steeler players with the unfortunate passing of, of uh, Mrs. Rooney, Dan's wife, Pat. Uh, and they all said it really is a family atmosphere with the Steelers. And I wonder if you indeed did feel that as Ralph Sindrich promised you, 
not only the Steelers, but the city of Pittsburgh, but the Steelers as a family type of organization, including the players, coaches, owners, and even the fans. No doubt about it. It was definitely a family atmosphere. And, uh, you know, it's some very sad news when we got the news that Mrs. Rooney passed away. And uh, I felt probably the same way as I felt when Mr. Rooney passed away. Uh, she was one of those people. She was always around. She was always upbeat. We ate dinner with her on Saturdays at the hotels. So, you know, we spent a lot of time around those, the family. And, you know, I'm sure the players still do spend a lot of time around the family. So it's, it's definitely that type of atmosphere. And it's something that, that makes this team successful. And special, as you are, such an integral yeah. part of uh, two of the Steelers Super Bowl championship teams and now a member of the Steelers Hall of Honor. James, can't thank you enough for your time today. It was great catching up with you, great chatting with you, and I'm sure all of our viewers appreciate it and our listeners as well. Thanks so much. That was James Ferrier, former Steelers inside linebacker. Uh, I'm with uh, Stan Saverin. Uh, yeah. The video version of that interview is up on Steelers.com, by the oh, way. Cool. You can also see that on the Steelers official YouTube channel. So oh, you, can, okay. you can watch that to... that little interview as well that uh, Stan did with James Ferrier, who uh, to me was the heart and soul of uh, some of those Steeler defenses uh, You know, in, in the in the 2000s. You and others often say that. And back then I was just a, a fan of the Steelers and, you know, paying attention to them from a national perspective, you know, wasn't as close to the team. But, you know, we had Pouncey retire today. It sounds like Farrier was very he was much that, he was kind of that guy. In that yeah. mold. You know, he was the hammer, you know, the, yeah. the guy you had to answer to, the, the Joe Green, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there's some strong examples in Steeler history and he should be right there amongst them. Yeah, he, he really should. And so, uh, uh, good to hear from James. Always good to, to, to catch up with him. Uh, very well, uh, thoughtful guy. Always was good in the locker room mm -hmm. as well with that stuff. So, um, But that is going to do it for this edition of The Drive yeah, on Steelers Nation Radio. We uh, once again ask, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to yeah, our, our channel. Get, on that. Uh, get those things downloaded right to your phone or whatever you listen on, whether that be your tablet or, or whatever, yeah, in the car. Uh, but uh, for my partner, Matt Williamson, for Jacob here on site, I'm Dale Lolly. We thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.